Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. The sermon title for this morning is Conquer Ground. Our title is Conquer Ground. If you look, you'll see the picture. It's from one of my favorite uh, television series ever. Um, it's not meant for children. It's about uh, war. Um, it's uh, the Band of Brothers. Uh, it's near and dear to me because I, I have a fellowship of gentlemen uh, who are, are close as brothers to me. Uh, and when we meet, we call ourselves Bob <laughs> or the Band of Brothers. Um, there is something powerful about um, when we are willing to love another so much that we're willing to make the sacrifice of even our own lives. I understood that more fully when I became married. I understood that even better when I uh, had, had children. Not that I love my children more than my wife, but there's this something about this innocent little life that just immediately pops out well, not of nowhere, but you know what I'm saying, uh, <laughs> that arrives, should we say, and it's instantaneous, complete, all unadulterated love. Um, Jesus said it this way in John, 13, or John 15, 13. Jesus said this, he goes, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Our service members, our savior, Their love and their sacrifice is worthy of remembering. It is worthy of honoring. And it is worthy of emulating each and every one of us. Um, I come from a military family, okay? Like I said, um, we understand that sacrifice, that willingness to serve. Um, My aunt also served as a first responder. Uh, My grandfather served in the military. My great-grandfather served in the military and as a first responder. We understand the willingness to, at great cost to yourself, serve others. If there's anything that's worth honoring, if there's anything that's worth remembering, it is that. I know that there are some of you who may be sitting here today who have lost loved ones uh, in service to our country. How better to honor someone than to live a life worthy of the sacrifice that was made? This morning, I believe that there are three questions we have to ask ourselves. The first is, how do we keep ourselves from being distracted and neglecting the precious gift we have received? How many of y'all know sometimes you get busy? How many of y'all know sometimes the greatest gift that you have, you neglect because it's always there? Married people? Parents? Why do parents cry at graduation? It may be cries of joy. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Go to college, baby. (laughs) But most often in those huge transitions, whether it's like from elementary to middle school, middle school to high school, high school to college, college to marriage, there's always that crying because you realize for a moment how precious that gift is and how time is passing by. Number two, how do we defend the ground that they have conquered? Can you imagine surrendering territory that was just conquered at great personal cost in life? We wouldn't imagine it. If we watched a a military movie and they, they had taken the hill and then immediately guys are like, sweet, 
and they walked away and gave it back to the enemy, we'd be like, what are you doing? But don't we sometimes do that in our spiritual lives? Ground that Christ has conquered for us, the forgiveness that he has given to us, we are thankful for in the moment, but then sometimes surrender that ground. See, there's two gates to your heart. They're your eyes and your ears. I tell teenagers, everything that goes in your mouth will eventually come out the other way. But what comes in our eyes and what comes in our ears, those are direct paths to our hearts. Do we realize that when we're not careful with what we place before our eyes and what we place inside of our ears, we are actually surrendering holy ground? You're like, holy ground? Yes, so you have been bought with a price. We sang four songs about it. When we give our lives to Christ, we are new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. We have literally become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that is holy ground. So how can we defend the ground that has been conquered? And then the third question is, is how do we honor their sacrifice and walk in the freedom they gave their lives to provide us? I think the book of James answers all these questions. How many guys like when you get questions answered? How many guys don't like the answers you get sometimes? Okay, you will both be satisfied this morning, okay? James is one of my favorite dudes in the Bible, okay? Because James is the half-brother of Jesus. Everybody say half. Okay, that means they have the same mama, different papa. You understand how that all worked, right? Like Jesus and the whole, all right? Okay, so... He's the half-brother of Jesus. He's a leader of the church in Jerusalem, which is just starting to grow and flourish and be massively persecuted. There are 100, and I like little numbers, there are 108 verses in James. Everybody say 108. 108 verses, and I'm gonna read them all. No, I'm just kidding. There are 108 verses in James. We're only gonna cover a few. Yeah, you got to read the rest of it yourself. Over half of those verses, this is wild, over half of those verses are imperatives or commands. Now, I said I grew up in a military house, right? We didn't question a whole lot. Do you know, anyone grow up in a military house? Yeah. Anyone not question a whole lot? They spoke, you listened, it all worked out. They spoke, you didn't listen. A warming sensation where you normally sit. It's just not comfortable to sit down for a while. James, half of the verses of James are imperatives. They're commands. An imperative is of vital importance. It's something crucial. Giving an authoritative command. 108 verses, over half are that way. Do you understand what conversation you're having? Yes. Go to the principal's office. What kind of conversation are you going to have, right? Son, come down here. You know what kind of conversation you're going to have, right? And the authority with which you're speaking. He's teaching them an urgent or important thing. If you'll allow me, some of you Bible scholars, to stretch this a little bit, okay? Allow me this comparison. James can be seen as a general since it's Memorial Day declaring vitally important orders to the early church as they were experiencing persecution. 
How many guys know that words when you're in trouble are very important? Okay. If you get pulled over by a police officer, it is very important that you listen clearly and do what you're told. It will all work out better that way for you. I'm just telling you, as a child, when any adult in the family, because military family, anybody can correct you, when an adult spoke, the proper response was two things. If they were female, it would be yes, ma'am. If they were male, it'd be yes, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. There was an understanding of who was in the authority and the importance of what they were telling you. Does that make sense? Now, I'm, listen, I'm not defending poor authority or poor leadership. But when you have righteous, solid authority, and they're giving you a command, it's important to listen. Yeah? If a firefighter came in right now and said, get out, I'd be like, bye, I'm gone. Right? Gotta go, gotta go. If my son came in right now, I'd be like, daddy, 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 I'd be like, Go find your mama, right? She's going to tell us what we're going to do anyway. So James can be seen as the general. He's giving these important orders because the church, his troops are under attack. Let me set up the scene for you. The upper room, thousands were added to the church on the day of Pentecost. Peter preaches this amazing message. Tongues of fire. People are getting baptized. All this incredible stuff is happening in this Pentecostal experience in Jerusalem. People are coming to Jesus, but you know what? How many guys know sometimes people aren't fans of you coming to Jesus? Yeah, and it was upsetting everything. People were not happy. And when we're not happy with some people, we treat them poorly. And I'm not just saying like they were telling, they're picketing outside of Chick-fil-A, okay? I'm not, that's not, I'm eat more beef. That's not persecution, people, okay? In America, that is persecution. They were literally giving their lives because they believe the truth of Jesus Christ. So an order from a person who is an authority on how to survive and thrive in the midst of that is extremely important. Linking that with the military, you don't question orders. If you question orders in combat, somebody's gonna die. That's understood. There's a clear authoritarian or authoritative structure. You know, the chain of command, as they call it. I personally thrive under those kind of situations. I grew up that way. I like that way. Pastor Tony is my covering. Pastor Tony says, Christian, take out the trash. I'm like, on my way. Christian, I need this. I got you. Literally texted me from Europe, which is way crazy, right? That they can communicate from Europe. And like, hey, can you make sure Caleb gets that cord thing in front of the back? I'm like, Yes! Yes, sir, I can do that. That's the power of understanding authority. Now, that is a life and death situation. No, Cat 5 cable is not a life or death situation unless you're on the worship team and you don't have the words because it's going to help us have a confidence monitor in the back so you can see it. Or for pastors, we can see how much time we have left, like I might need right now. You guys good? Is it Memorial Day? You guys a little hungover from the weekend? Here we go. All right. So in chapter four, he's giving the troops a rallying cry. He's once again reminding them of why they're together and how they can defeat the enemy. Quick sidebar. In the courtroom, that's when like 
people come and say things that they don't want recorded by everybody else. Quick sidebar, who's your enemy? Anybody? If you're thinking of a person, you're wrong, right? Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Our enemy is not people. In Ephesians 6, 12, it says this, for our battle is not, everybody say not, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavens. You've never met a person who's your enemy. As a matter of fact, if you're a Christian, every person you've ever met is your missions field. Oh, James is about to drop a bomb up on here. If you follow Jesus... Jesus came that none should perish, but all should have life. So if you follow Jesus, and if you love Jesus, and the love of Jesus is inside of you, every person you've ever met is a mission field. And every single person you've ever met, even if they're still in sin, when did Jesus die for you? When you were in sin, even if their sin really is annoying. How many of y'all know sometimes you have like grace for people whose sins don't bother you, but you have less grace for people whose sins do bother you? Yeah? Can we be honest in church? Come on, I mean, you're lying here. Like, I don't know, lightning bolts are coming down. Right? Every single person you've ever met is a missions field. James is reminding them of who they are and why they're there together. You do realize that the exit plan when we're done with life is he takes us home. And so if you were the oldest person in this room, can I encourage you this morning? You're not done yet. Those youngest kids in that room over there, they're not waiting to be witnesses for Jesus. They already are. It's an incredible program called education. The state, all of them, require our children go to school. And so they bring a missions field to them every single day. And require them to be together by age group in peers. What happens when we train five year old missionaries to win souls in their classroom? That's why we're here and we're all together. So James goes on to encourage the troops. If you would open up your Bibles, if you have them or on your phones, I have the app and my Bible's on my phone. So if you see me in the front on Sunday mornings, I'm using my Bible app. But I brought the Bible today. James chapter 4, verse 1. He is encouraging him. It doesn't sound like it in the beginning. Just hold with me. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that war within you? Your desire, you desire and you do not have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. How many of y'all know this is a rough start to a pep talk? (laughs) You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. And when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. So you can spend it on your pleasures. It's going to get a little worse before it gets better, but it does get better. Here we go. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? That's called letting it marinate. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? 
That is not talking about people in the world. That is talking about sin and brokenness in the world. Yes, that is, that is talking about everything that sets itself up against God that's in this world. So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. I, I promise you this is a pep talk. Here we go. Or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely? Do you know he's jealous for you? I mean, it's more than just a song. Like, he is jealous for you. Love like a hurricane. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's more than a cute song. He literally is jealous for you. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, everybody see therefore. Anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, you want to know what it's there for. Okay? Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he, speaking of the enemy, will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. You're like, I have had better pep talks. Like that was no, there were no pom-poms in that, right? It felt like bomb-bombs being dropped upon me. No pom-poms. In verses 7 through 10, God is reminding us of who we are and to whom we belong. You're like, whoa, Pastor Christian, you said he's rallying the troops, not crushing their souls. I know, listen, no, 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 listen, this is life-giving. Anyone who has ever served in the military, played on a sports team, or grew up in a military family knows that this is actually encouragement. Who has served in the military? Was boot camp a joyously fun experience for you? Did they make you feel warm and fuzzy? Did you have snuggle time in the evenings? No, and we laugh because it's absurd to think so, right? Oh, Anthony, I'm sorry you have a boo-boo. You don't have to march tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, baby. Yeah. When I was a child, they told you to walk it off. Right? Mom would spit on a napkin and rub it on your face. Dad would tell you it wasn't on the ground that long. Go ahead and blow it off. Metal dashboards on cars and no seatbelts required. We didn't wear helmets to ride bikes and surely not knee pads and elbow pads. And if you did, there was something special about you. I remember football practices where if the Philadelphia Eagles won, our coach was a huge Eagles fan. That's probably why I'm still bitter. If they won, it was because we ran to encourage them. If they lost, we need to run to encourage them. Do you see how you lose both ways? We ran and we ran and we threw up. And when you threw up, they're like, keep going. Your stomach's empty now. You weigh less. Keep going. You're bumped. You're bruised. Are you hurt or are you injured? Injured means we got to carry you over there. Hurt means, hey, that was not pleasant. Keep going. But anyone who wants to do anything of significance in their life needs a coach who will push them beyond what they think they can do. 
Boot camp isn't to find out your limits. They'll find out your limits. Boot camp is to let you know that you can go way farther than your limits. And as a matter of fact, you're going to be put in situations, how about it, bro, where you're going to need to be able to go beyond your limits because we will default to the level of our training. In crisis, we default to the level of our training and preparation. Why do Christians get their butts kicked by the enemy so often? Because nobody's training. Statistics tell us 25% of pastors spend 15 minutes or less in prayer every week. And the 25% is the high number. It gets worse after that when you go lower. Jesus said, when you pray and when you fast. Can we be real honest in boot camp right now? Do we pray and do we fast? So if you go to boot camp and it's a cupcake party and we're worried about Anthony's boo-boo, then we drop you off in Afghanistan. How fun was that, bro? Do you realize the boo-boo doesn't matter half as much as the boom-boom? Can I be honest? And that which you learned in boot camp to prepare you for battle was really to bring the guy next to you home. Because if you ask any soldier, they are not fighting as their number one motivation for the commander-in-chief, regardless of who he is. That is not their number one all-consuming thought. They're not fighting for the pride of old glory as their number one thought. Is it part of it? Sure. Ultimately, in the end, what they're fighting for is each other. I've been watching the uh, uh, Medal of Valor series on on, on, uh, Netflix. If you have Netflix and you want to watch something that's actually good, just bring tissues I cannot believe, I know it's true because it's clearly documented, but I cannot believe what some of these men and women were willing to endure and sacrifice, and most of them themselves, to bring somebody else home. You're a child of God, saved by grace, not of yourself so that no one can boast. There's no like, you know, ultimate soldiers here. All of us have been saved by grace. All of us have sinned. Do you get that evil, even playing ground? You're all maggots. Accessing my inner military movie, okay? We're nothing without God, right? We're sinners, lost. But then when Jesus Christ comes into our life, then we look, we're no longer maggots, right? All things have become new. Something happens and everything becomes new. Training is hard because the battles are life-threatening. If you do not pray and you suffer as a Christian, I am not surprised. By the way, Pastor Tony went to Hoity Europe so I could preach this message. Not be responsible. Listen, I'm going to punch us in the mouth a little bit because I think, we, we, like, we think that Memorial Day is about a cookout and playing games on a three-day weekend. Look around, lots of people are not here. 
when we remember the sacrifice, when we remember the sacrifice of God, when we remember why he did it, who we are, and what we're here for, things change. We're here because of his love, his mercy, his grace, and because he gave his life for us. We're here because we're supposed to be fighting for the person next to us and every person that we ever meet who doesn't know him. That's why you pray. That's why you fast. So you can drop kick the devil straight up in the face and say, not today. James also said in chapter one, consider it pure joy when you face the trials of many kinds. You cannot have that mental fortitude if you have not paid the price and preparation. The purpose of sweating and preparation is so we don't bleed in battle. And if we must bleed, it's righteous blood. Paying for, setting others free. That's good, right? Now you put that in the context of what he just said and you're like, whoa, that's, that is encouraging. What causes fighting and quarreling among us? Man, you're so stupid, crazy. We're worrying about all these civilian issues. People who are back home, we're not here. They care about the Kardashians. We don't, right? Is that dress blue or is it, or is it white? I don't care. Are you following me? In a foxhole, you don't care. What color was the carpet in the church? What kind of music did they play? What kind of coffee did they serve? How comfortable was the seat? Did I like the message? Was church good today? What determines good? An entertaining speaker? You've lost that one already. A cool atmosphere? Yeah, my OCD is beautiful. And it's making me happy every time I look down. Because you like the worship songs or you appreciated the worship leader's voice? Is that what makes church good? If it is, we've totally missed it. Because we're supposed to bring into the house of God a sacrifice, cost me something, of praise. We're supposed to come here with stories about what God has done in our lives each week so that we can encourage each other to go out next week. Right? I want to hear the testimonies. I'm going to pick on one of our teachers. I love when you post stuff about school. Why? I love hearing about what the kids are doing. I love to see the, the good things. There was a red carpet. One of our teenagers got to walk down. And I was like, those are awesome pictures. What if our community and our life was more celebratory of people and less defaming? What if we were all acted like Red carpet photographers calling out for attention, getting that photo because the person who's walking in is valuable. James is reminding us of who we are and why we're here to begin with. My concern for the body of Christ, not only our church, but all churches universal is this. We have too many soldiers who are AWOL. Everybody's on leave and nobody's out to war. Do you know how you win a war? You cut off those who are fighting from those who can supply them. Cut off communications, cut off supplies, you'll win. Because without both of those, you die. So we cut ourselves off from the presence of God. 
We cut ourselves off from the power of God and we're wounded all over the field. And we ask ourselves why? Because we surrendered conquered ground. We've turned it over to the enemy. See, James is realigning his troops. He's reconnecting them to the reality that they have gone completely off mission and have foolishly gotten caught up in civilian hogwash. It's a really nice way of saying stuff. Sidebar number two. Go to the side. How many of you guys know there's no Switzerland in the Bible? I mean, I don't know, an actual place God knew about it. It's like he's, like he's bad with geography. But I'm saying that there's no neutral countries in the Bible. You are either more than a conqueror or you're a casualty. Regardless, you will be a combatant. Look at me real quick. Either you are a casualty of war or you are more than a conqueror. Those are your only two options. Well, I'm going to sit this one out, coach. <laughs> no, you're not. There is no sidelines. Can anyone testify to this in their own life? You are either walking in victory, right? Does victory always feel good? No. Does victory often have a high price? Yes. Has that price already been paid for you? Yes. This is not about you working up your salvation. That's already done. Old has become new. This is already paid for. We're talking about honoring God with the lives that we live and our speech, our life, our love, our faith, and our purity. We're talking Timothy here. How does the world know that we are different so that they can see what he looks like in us so they can know them him, themselves? Does, am I making sense right now? There is no sideline. You can't be like, well, I'm a Christian on Sunday. Okay. What does that mean? Like you go to church and ask him for stuff? You're entertained by a message and some worship and then you go home? That's a lifeless way to live, isn't it? Is anyone here tired of getting their butt kicked? Anyone, anyone tired of getting beat up? Now, I'm not telling you the battle's not going to be exhausting and painful and that we won't actually have to suffer because in chapter one, he says, consider pure joy when you face the trials of many kinds. We may literally need to suffer to the point of giving our lives. Why is the church growing around the world, but not necessarily in America? Because they've accepted martyrdom as a, as a fact. Girl, come on. That's crazy. I would even say it's not even standing up for our rights because dead men have no rights. We're not standing up for the gospel, the truth that we believe. Jesus Christ was not the Lord of the manor. He was a suffering servant. He was a shepherd of the sheep. If you don't smell like sheep, who are you chilling with? <laughs> smell a little woofy around here. Ooh, girl. Right? So at night when you put your head down, are we smelling like wolves or are we smelling like sheep? I don't know. So if there's no Switzerland, for either a conqueror or a casualty, how do we win? This is really awesome. James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The key to spiritual victory is not resisting the devil on your own. You will get your butt kicked. 
The key to spiritual victory is complete submission to God. Can I say something to you that's pretty earth-shattering when I learned it? We are the only army that advances on our knees and gains victory through surrender. We're the only army that advances on our knees and gains victory through surrender. How many of you guys know there's a difference between a good fight and a bad fight? Ever pick one with your wife? Bad fight. <laughs> Learn from my mistakes, brothers. How many of you guys ever picked a good fight? God fight. If you fought with humanly means, it may not have been a good fight. If you fought God's way, it may have been a great fight. How do we submit to God? Complete submission involves our walk. Our goal should be to demonstrate God's holiness, his moral purity, his spiritual maturity, and separation from sinfulness, and complete dedication to God in all we do. We got that one? That's simple. Our walk, how we actually walk. Do you know if you're walking and you can't see God in front of you, you're going the wrong direction? We're called followers of Christ. The early church was called followers of the way. Why followers of the way? Because Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. If you're going the right way, if you're listening, truly understanding what truth is and experiencing true life, that means you are following Jesus. Follow the leader is fairly simple. You just got to go where the leader goes. We try to complicate the simplistic, right? And trivialize the monumental in our lives. Makes us feel better about not following, but we can follow because he's already paid the price for us to follow. He draws us to follow. If we draw near to him, he draws near to us. If we submit to him, we resist the devil, the enemy will flee. So living a life in the spirit and full of the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5. Our words, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful in building others. Everybody say others. Others. Others up. Ever met someone who talks about themselves a lot, builds themselves up all the time? I find that they're most often the most insecure people. They're just wanting someone to agree. Be the person who builds other people up. If you're good at something, you'll tell everyone. If you're great at something, they'll all tell you. Seek to be great by loving on others. Ephesians 4, 29, 32. Our words have great power to heal, power to help, and power to encourage, but they can also destroy. Those eyes and those ears, right, to the gates of the heart. Make sure what flows out of you is like him. The third way we, we can live in complete submission to God is through our worship. True worship is not just singing songs in church on a Sunday or even to a radio in your car. True worship is in the way that you live your life every day. In the same way that Jesus lived. I don't know if he could play the guitar. I mean, I'm sure he's the son of God. He could play the guitar if he wanted to, right? 
I, I have missed the worship session on the Sermon on the Mount. I'm sure there must have been great music because how else could you draw a crowd? He probably had fog machines. Didn't really need a machine. Just said, let, let there be fog. Right? The Aurora Borealis, he had lights going on. I mean, that's the only way they could get the people from, the, from those small towns out to the... No? No. He didn't need to manipulate or entertain. You know why? Because he walked in power and spoke with authority. You ever been around someone who literally has actual power and real authority? It's pretty awing. Especially if you think you have authority and then you're around other people with more authority. Like as a pastor, you know, you kind of have like that authority of the positional authority. But then when you go to conferences and you meet like superintendents and the national superintendents, it's always funny like how you realize, you know what I'm saying? And the super big dogs don't have to be like, hey, I'm a super big dog. They just walk in authority. They walk in a confidence. They walk in power. Maybe we're so busy entertaining because we no longer have power. I remember two disciples of Jesus saying, silver and gold have we none. We don't have any refineries or cute stuff all around us. But what we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Now, you could entertain me with a message and with graphics and with lighting, or you could just pray for me in the power of Jesus Christ and heal my body. One will be a moment, the other will begin a movement in my life that will leave me changed forever. Amen? But we don't get that authority unless our walk and our words are in alignment with Jesus. That's what James was saying. The next thing we need to do is resist the devil. We resist the devil, and how do we do that? We fight with God's weapons. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says this, For though we live in the world... Does that surprise anybody? No. Okay. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. Paul lists the weapons, probably one of Jay's and my favorites. We love the Ephesians and we love the the armor of God. The belt of truth. If you're not sure if it's true or not, look in the word of God. It's the belt of truth. This is what is true. Keeps you from being embarrassed. I lost a lot of weight one time. I went like from like 320 pounds to like 265 pounds. I didn't have a belt on. The truth was my pants were too big. And I was exposed. Where the truth? The breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness guards our hearts. It's the wellspring of life, says the Bible. The gates to it are your eyes and your ears. The shoes of the gospel. It's not enough to have cool pieces of armor if you're not going somewhere with it. I've memorized 12 books of the Bible. I can theologically dissect that message in just a heartbeat, foolish youth pastor. Well, that's good. Who are you loving in Jesus' name? Nobody? Okay. It's not enough to know the word. We have to be doers of the word. James says all this stuff. James is like the Proverbs of the New Testament. With over half of 108 verses being commands and imperatives, it's really like Proverbs. He's just like dropping truth bombs everywhere. Do this and this will work. Do that and you do that. Because people in war don't have time for a long conversation. Am I right, brother? When there is guns and bombs and things happening, you need concise orders. That's James. Sorry if I'm getting loud. I get really excited. My family's not angry when we're loud. We're just 
the life. We're just loud people. That's just how it is. I had to teach my wife that when we first got married. She goes, oh, you're so angry. I'm like, I'm not angry. She goes, you're just so passionate about it. I'm like, girl, I'm passionate about sports I don't even care about. Like, I'm just, we're just discussing stuff. That's how it is. Number four, the shield of faith. The shield of faith, what does it do? It protects us from the fiery arrows of the enemy. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. It's being sure that Jesus is who he says he is, does what he says he's going to do, and one day we go and home. We act like this is our, our home. We're just passing through, right? That's not news anyway, is it? Hey, Christians, followers of Jesus, look, this is just temporary. Our, our purpose here is to take as many people with us as we can. Right? Medal of Valor winners, they literally wanted to take as many of the enemy with them as they could. Our job is to take as many lost souls to heaven as we possibly can. We're just passing through. Life is really short. Eternity is really never ending. The helmet of salvation. Protect your noggin, man. What is the head of where I'm going? Where your head turns, your body will follow. So if my head is on my salvation and the one who paid for it and what he's calling me to, I will find myself going in the right direction. Sword of the Spirit. It's our only offensive weapon as far as like actually attacking. And it's the word of God, which is the power of God for salvation. The only one that slays is the enemy, the devil. To everyone else, it sets them free, right? You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Power of God for salvation, right? I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. How important is it to know the word of God? It's the power of God for salvation. That's why he tells us don't just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. And how can they know unless they hear the word? Crazy. Guys, I love the Bible. It's all connected. It's good stuff. And then finally, he says, pray in the spirit in all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. Can I ask a quick question? And the armor, what protects my six? Yeah, nothing. Do you know why that's, not, that's a good plan and not a bad one? Because I'm never supposed to surrender conquer ground. There is no evacuation plan. There is no retreat in the kingdom of God. We're always supposed to be moving forward. Why? Who's in the front? Doc, who's in the front? Jesus, right? And if you and I are following Jesus, we're always in the right place. Why would I be turning around? Get this imagery in your head. You're following Jesus and you turn around. Who's going the wrong direction? Who has exposed themselves to the enemy? Who has exposed an unprotected part of your body? But if you're moving forward, he's before us. The battle belongs to the Lord. We just stay behind and obey and follow and love and do what he does and say what he says. That's exactly what Jesus said about the Father, right? I do what I see him doing. I say what I hear him saying. As a result of this, the enemy will flee and we will experience victory. 
What does victory look like? God's passion, presence, power, and purposes working through us to save people spiritually, to force demons out of people's lives, to purify ourselves and help purify others by leading them in Christian maturity and growth, discipleship, developing Christian character within us, to baptizing believers in the Holy Spirit and healing the sick. Guys, that is the benefit of walking in victory. So why do we choose to walk in defeat? When Christians decide to fight our battles with the world's weapons, we only succeed at making the church more like the world. If it's human wisdom, entertainment, right? And I'm not saying that graphics aren't great. I worked hard on those. I'm not saying that the Lord doesn't appreciate OCD. Obviously, if you read Leviticus, he likes it down the down pact. Okay? For those of you who have not read Leviticus, it is, it is mouth-wateringly delicious for people with OCD. Okay? I'm not saying that these are not tools, but these are not the source. They're not the source. They're just a tool. But when the tool gets prioritized first in front of the Lord, then we're in total trouble. It robs the church of the effective weapons of true faith and the power of the Holy Spirit. By doing so, and these are the closing moments and we're going to pray. By doing so, we exchange empowerment for entertainment. Are you not entertained? We like being entertained. Come on, let's be honest. Right? I'm a movie guy. God speaks to me through movies. He used the band of brothers. He's about to use Saving Private Ryan for y'all. Like, I mean, he speaks to me through I like being entertained. But I cannot exchange entertainment for empowerment. Because it becomes a distraction and not my mission. How many of you guys are guilty of being entertained and not empowered? That's when we let the professionals do ministry. What? What are you saying, pastor? Do you no longer want a job? No, 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 This is my calling. Whether I get paid or not, I don't care. Trust me, I do not choose ministry for the payment plan. I've been in big churches where they paid a lot and little churches where there was no money. Literally, we're aboard. It's like, I don't know if we can pay you. I'm like, you're good. We'll be there by Easter. Whoop, whoop. Big outreach, big outreach. If you don't believe me, you can look at my resume, call the people. I, that's literally what I told them. Okay. When we allow the professionals to do the ministry, rather than understanding that all of us are called to be a kingdom of priests, and all of us have a ministry, and all of us have a place in the body, and all of us need to work together, or it never works, why do you bring your friends to me to lead them to Jesus? You're the Jesus that they met. Why don't you lead them to Jesus? That's what they saw in you. Hello? Bring them here to celebrate. Bring them here so we can celebrate. But each and every one of us has been called. But when we want to be entertained, you're like, hey, you go up front and entertain me. And then we become critics. Ah, not so entertaining. Went a little long, dude's a little loud. We've already discussed the loudness, guys. I'm sorry. When we exchange empowerment for entertainment, 
we result with attendees instead of disciples. You know the number one problem in all churches today? It is not the power of the Holy Spirit. The number one problem is not that somehow that the gospel has lost its power or Jesus has stepped down from the throne. The number one problem in every church on the planet earth today is there's too large of a harvest and not enough disciples. 100%. The greatest failure of the church of this generation and maybe the few before it is that we have exchanged professionalism and entertainment for disciple making. Much, much to our detriment. So we've got churches that are full of thousands And amongst those thousands and tens of thousands, there may be some who are disciples. A disciple follows Jesus. A disciple seeks to make other disciples. Do you know we've been given one command as the church? He didn't say go and build huge monumental churches. Go and pimp that room out with as much technology as humanly possible. Then they will come. Now, boys, I didn't need to use that in Acts or in the Gospels, but I mean, I'm sure if you do it, it'll work. Because that's the people we have today. We had a healing service outside in Lewisburg, and brothers and sisters full of the Holy Spirit started laying people in the hospitals over at Evangel, and people got started getting saved. How many of you all know we would not have an attendance problem? Legit. People getting saved, people getting healed. They came from all the towns and everywhere around because of what he was doing. But he didn't do anything he didn't see the father doing. He didn't say anything he didn't hear the father saying. Again, I'm not saying that the things that we have are wrong. I'm saying when they take precedence over everything else, we need to be realigned. When the heartbeat of the church of Jesus Christ is to make disciples, we will finally, finally, we will fulfill the call of God for all of our lives. You want the gospel to be preached every single where? Give me some disciples. 121, 3,000, and it blew up. Did they have no problems in life? No, they're literally getting mowed down like grass, and they were spreading like seed. The more they killed, the more they came. Crazy. You don't believe me? Look at the church in the Middle East. Why are they growing? Great persecution. They're empowered. They're not entertained. Christians that fail to use spiritual weapons available to them through Christ will be overcome by the spiritual powers of darkness and their families will be battered and taken captive. This is not a salvation situation. I am not telling you that anything can remove you from the hand of God. I am telling you You do not walk in victory unless you're walking behind him and following him and doing what he has asked us to do. You don't have victory. You don't go into a test having not studied or paid attention and blame the teacher for your bad grade. Actually, we do do that now. Isn't that the the definition of insanity? I didn't pay attention. I didn't study nothing, but this test is on fire. It tested me on everything I was supposed to be paying attention about. And everything I was supposed to study. (laughs) She hates me. No, honey, she loves you. And in spite of you, she keeps teaching you. (laughs) And you need to be thankful to your Lord Jesus that they no longer have corporal punishment in schools. (laughs) 
See, y'all who are older up in here like, "Mm mm-hmm. Y'all know James. She just had a teacher's name. So here, the challenge this morning, and we conclude with this. The challenge this morning is this. We choose Christ over the world. Listen to me. Our challenge this morning is that we are more than conquerors. We are not those who shrink back and are destroyed or overcome. And this is how we do it. Are you ready? Number one, we choose Christ over the world. Two, we choose God's truth over the enemy's lies. We choose to fight the good fight with his weapons of warfare. Rather than the distractions and methods of man. We choose to live so that others may see him in us. Do you know how freeing that is? When I am faced with a temptation or a trial, to know that my goal is to be like him and to follow him. Because regardless of what I'm experiencing from the outsides and the attacks and the pressures, if I follow him and do like he does, people will see him in me. And my key or my cup of pain may very well be the key to someone else's freedom. There is no suffering in vain. He hasn't forgotten me. He's not neglecting me. He's trusting me to say, baby, follow me. We're going through. And when we get to the other side, whether that is the other side of this problem or the other side, your life will be a testimony of honor to me. We choose to live so that others may see him in us and come to know Christ themselves. We choose to submit to God to resist the devil and experience victory in Jesus. For after all, one of my favorite lines from the movie Gettysburg. I'm using three war movies today. This was not a good illustration when I was in the South. Great illustration in the North. For after all, Colonel Chamberlain said, in the end, What we truly are fighting for is each other. And every man and every woman who has ever been in a foxhole, who has ever been in an overwhelming situation, and I love you, bro, so much. I am so honored that you're my friend. I'm glad you're here. You make me love Jesus more. In the end, we're fighting for each other. I'm tired of the church surrendering conquered ground. I'm sick and tired after 23 years of ministry, and you can turn off the Mevo thing. Um, uh, I'm sick and tired after 23 years of ministry, walking through the triage of battle where brothers and sisters unarmed and unprepared have been rocked. I'm sick and tired of watching the wounded. Not that I don't love them and not that I don't care for them, but that we don't have to be banged up. We don't have to be surrendering any ground. He created us new. The old is gone, the new has come. He has armed us and leads us so that we can experience victory. Victory may look bad. It's not always sunshine and rainbows. The Medal of Valor winners, most of them have received it posthumously. It means they died. 
you may very well need to die to yourself. And how many of you guys know sometimes it's easier to die in a moment than it is to die regularly over time? That's why we're encouraged to live our lives as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our spiritual act of worship. Do you know why there's horns on the altar? So the living sacrifices can hold on and not get off too early. Because the purpose is to make us more like him so that others can see him in us and may know his love. In the back, they're gonna play some nice soft music for me and I'm gonna pray. And then I'm gonna offer you an opportunity to come and take a can. And Saving Private Ryan, there was a guy named Sergeant Horvath. And every time his company was dropped into a battle and they, and they conquered that ground, he'd take the lid off his can and scoop in dirt. Write the label of where they were. France, I believe, is in the picture up on the screen here in a second. And he put it into his bag. It's a symbolic way of saying this is conquered ground. It was conquered at a price. Sometimes the ultimate and a great price. But this land is now conquered and will not be surrendered ever again. So I encourage you. I have one, I think, for everybody. Take one today. When you go home, put some dirt from your home into the can. It's conquered ground. Bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus and fought for by you with the weapons of your warfare, which are not carnal, are of the flesh. School's almost over, but I encourage you to get dirt from your kid's school. Dirt from the church. It's been a little hard here in Pennsylvania because we've got so much mud. Or I would have filled them for you. These from the church. And anywhere else you place your feet. If the guys in the big yellow truck at Penda don't know it yet, they must be new. But there's an evangelist on the field every single day praying for, believing for, and showing the love of Jesus. So a bunch of guys who will probably outside of a move of God in their lives darken the church door. So you know what Jesus does? He sends them to them. That's conquered ground. Why? I told Joshua every place where you put your feet is conquered ground. Why? Because the battle's not depending on you, Dan. The battle belongs to the Lord. You just follow it. That's a great place to be. So I'm going to pray for you. I encourage you to come grab a tin. In case it's hard to read my handwriting, they all say conquered ground. For me, things that are out of sight are out of mind for me. It's better for me to have something to hold on to, to remind me. I wear a wedding ring for the same reason. Not that I'm going to forget how much I love my wife. But it's a constant reminder of the greatest relationship outside of salvation I've ever received. There's a ring right beneath it that's from Jerusalem. Actually, they both are, but the ring right beneath it from Jerusalem says, here am I. Because every single day I want to remember, here am I, Lord. Send me to the grocery store, to the gas station, to the church, to the school, to wherever you send me. Just send me. I'll go for you. I'll follow you there and do what you like. That's my heart's desire. Does it cost me great personal prices sometimes? Yeah, it really does. There's a lot of heartache in following Jesus.
sometimes the heartache is that those you love the most don't listen. 23 years of youth ministry, you know how many times we had to watch teenagers walk away from altars unchanged? Kills me. The blessing and cursing of Facebook is sometimes I get to see the lives of those who have been changed by Christ, and the other times I have to watch the lives of not and are total dumpster fires. It will cost you something. It cost him something. The student's never greater than the teacher. This is not a game. It's not a toy. It's a commitment to saying, I conquer ground, Lord. I will pray for it. I will fast for it. I will obey for it. I will submit for it. I will resist for it. And I will not be overcome. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Why? Because my old stuff is gone. The new stuff has come. Why? Because you know the plans you have for me. Not to harm me, but to give me a hope and a future. And that in the end, you're coming back for me to take me home. And I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You've brought as many with you as you possibly could. That's my prayer for you today. That's why we do what we do. But we can't do it without you. Discipleship's your responsibility. It's our opportunity. Obeying Jesus, following Jesus, loving Jesus, reading the word, praying, that's all your responsibility. It's our opportunity to show you how. It's your responsibility to do it. Can we honor the men and women who have given their lives to afford us such freedom? Can we honor the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself so that none should perish but that all should have life? The best way to honor him is to follow him and help somebody else.